0: Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm your host, Audrea Greenhoff, and in this podcast, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's most innovative food brands to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Food Stories podcast. It has been a little bit since I have come on and recorded an episode. Um, It's no secret that the last few months have been pretty strange and challenging for everyone around the world. Um, So wherever you are in the world, I hope you are well. Um, I hesitated to come out with new episodes at this time. I feel like things are just so uncertain and there's so much noise out there Um, and I wasn't really sure where these conversations fit into this landscape. Obviously, the food industry, the restaurant industry has been undergoing an immense amount of challenges right now, Um, but the more I thought about it, I just really wanted to stay true to this platform and bring you all really valuable information, so... With that, I reached out to different food business owners and restaurant owners who have been impacted themselves. So I think the next few episodes are going to be really useful, talking about um, the different challenges and pivots and changes a lot of you in this industry have made, but also keeping it positive. I think there is a lot of doom and gloom out there if you're uh, paying attention to the news all the time. So I wanted this to be a positive space to share stories of those who are pivoting their businesses and who are, you know, really making an impact during this time. So with that being said, I thought I would kick off this batch of episodes with a very special interview. I'm super excited about this one. I'm chatting today with Nick Liberato. He is the host of Netflix's Restaurants on the Edge. If you haven't binged this show yet, I definitely recommend it. Um, Season two is actually coming out on May 8th. So this show takes restaurants that are in these beautiful picturesque locations and are kind of struggling, you know, for a multitude of reasons. And Nick and the team on the show kind of help them bring everything um, back to a very positive place. In this interview, Nick and I also talk a lot about, um, you know, the current global pandemic that all of us are currently experiencing and have been affected by. Um, We talk about his own restaurants and the restaurants of his colleagues and what they are doing to kind of pivot business during these really strange and uncertain times. He gives a lot of great advice to food entrepreneurs out there who might be looking to make changes in their own business models as a result of this situation. So it's a great interview. Nick is also an awesome and super fun guy to talk to. So I really think that you'll enjoy this one. So without further ado, here's my interview with Nick Liberato. Welcome to the Better Food Stories podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you today.
1: Excellent. I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: You know, a lot of people may know you as the host of Netflix's Restaurants on the Edge. They may also remember you from Spike TV's Bar Rescue, but you're also a chef, a restaurateur, a producer. So I'm curious to know, was there a moment that you decided that you were going to create a brand for yourself? Um, Yeah, you know,
1: I think it was kind of initially in 98 when I left Philadelphia for California. I left you know with intentions just like a lot of people moved to california to uh, kind of explore new avenues in their life i had known that uh, food cooking was something that i'd done very well but i also there was a side of me that really liked to entertain of course as like a future restaurateur in the making um you know i like to create experiences for people and i had always been a little bit a part of working on tv um along the way in in different levels but I, I would have to say you know probably going back into like 20 you know everything kind of it was a development stage you know over the early 2000s of just kind of grinding and staying focused on my craft and not um, not going too many other directions just so I would become a chef first because um, there's a lot of people that you know in today's you know will just all immediately just start cooking and you know, I just really wanted to become a chef and and understand what it takes, the ins and outs of the restaurant business before I started really exploring the TV world. But I had always looked up to people like Emeril Lagasse and, um, you know, Bobby Flay earlier on, um, just because I've always loved cooking. And I, I liked seeing people entertain. And my mother would always look at me. She's like an older Italian lady. And she'd be like, Nikki, you could do that. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> But I um, but yeah, I think it's just something naturally that that came to me. You know, I, I, I am really good with people and understanding and hearing them out. And also when I need to teach someone something um, and working with food and cocktails and in the restaurant business, this, you know, everything kind of uh, came together in in a, you know, a perfect way.
0: Absolutely. And for anyone who hasn't binged on this show on Restaurants on the Edge quite yet, it really is such a you know, combination of everything, like you're saying, it's, it's about the food, it's about the business, the experience that you're creating. So for anyone who hasn't checked the show out yet, walk us through, in your words, the premise.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it travels around the world to um, businesses, that restaurants that have great locations, that have beautiful views. And usually when you go to those places with great views, whether it be a beachside restaurant or on a hilltop overlooking a view, it sometimes can be a tourist trap. And the restaurant owners aren't really focusing on what's on their menu, uh, this, the, the uh, systems that are in place, as well as the aesthetics of the business. And myself and my team, uh, we, we go in and we uplift that all in a positive way by incorporating the local demographic and culture back into the business that was once lost to uh, have the business be perceived that much better by the guests. So, um, you know, for all of you that haven't seen season one, you should definitely catch up because we have a season two coming on May 8th. Um, Another, we have seven episodes, a total of 13. And during a time like this, it's really nice because you don't need a passport for this trip.
0: (laughs) No, some of the locations are just absolutely stunning um I know one of the episodes you were in Costa Rica which is one of my favorite places on the planet yeah um, it's so beautiful but again it, it you make so make such a great point when talking about really bringing in the culture of the people of each of these locations into into the experience
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting when you get into another country you know there's always language barriers but but culture is just something that i've always been able to read understand and kind of be a chameleon within everywhere i go and it's amazing how many restaurant owners there are out there at a lot of these beautiful locations that kind of lose touch with their surroundings so uh it's a very positive thing to bring outside experience outside eyes in and kind of help you um get your business position in a much better way that they have in in the past
0: do you think it's one of those things where when you're so immersed yourself into a location or a culture you almost kind of take it for granted and don't really don't really think oh maybe somebody would be really interested in this do you think they're sort of like blinded by being so immersed or what do you think it is
1: I think it's just sometimes people get in a little bit of a rut uh, just mm-hmm. being in their normal surroundings and being unmotivated and losing some passion with uh, something that they initially had a lot of love for. And I'm not saying that these business owners did not have love for it. I just think that you, you get disconnected at times, are, yeah. regardless, possibly what's going on in your outside life, how business is going overall. And you don't, uh, you're not as present and you're certainly not taking the initiative To put the integrity behind what whatever you're trying to achieve within your business Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: that's something i've always worked very hard on um, because you know you're only as good as your last day and you only have one chance at a, a a great experience for a guest so you have to constantly be on your you know your a game every day you walk in your business with the systems uh you know having all the systems in place Uh, your team being on the same mission as you, um, being a a great leader, and, of course, the brand uh, making sense.
0: So you mentioned um, Season 2 is premiering on May 8th, so there's going to be more opportunity for people to experience this show without giving too much away. What's Uh, one of the transformations that you were most excited about on this season?
1: I'm very excited to see Slovenia, for sure.
0: OK, and
1: I think the reason being was, um, you know, for myself and both people in front and behind the camera it was a place that none of us had ever been, nor was it on our bucket list of places. And usually when something kind of when we're kind of like not known with what's going on, that's usually when magic happens, because, uh, you know, here we are. We just landed in uh, the city of Ljubljana in Slovenia, which sits in between Italy and Croatia. Um, and it's a small country but filled with so many beautiful things um, between the coast, between the coastline, the Alps, uh, the country. I mean, it was just uh, castles, um, went to an old wine village, and then the people, the characters are, are definitely ones that you'll fall in love with. Um, you know, every restaurant owner, I think, Each viewer can kind of connect with someone a little bit differently, um, meaning like who who touches their heart a little bit more than others or um, who's just really funny or, or, um, you know, in their ways. But Slovenia, that was my favorite transformation um, with the food that was incorporated. Definitely the aesthetics to the restaurant. Um, Karen did a fabulous job on, on uh, changing that whole place around. But, you know, we really put a lot of love into it. And it was just, it was kind of a whirlwind of a trip, but it was just amazing how everything came together. You know, I think, I think for a lot of us, it was one of the uh, best trips that we had traveling together. And, you know, just every time that we would come back from one of the locations, we would be like, oh my God, this Sylvania is awesome. <laughs> we love this place. Um, so, so that would definitely be one of them for me. I also got to visit a really cool old wine village that was just beautiful and breathtaking. And, and, you know, we all just bonded and just had a great time. I think that was our fourth episode that we had actually shot out of the 13. So these are all kind of mixed up, um, in order. Um, so it's interesting kind of seeing, uh, with the season two where, it has one of our, the first episodes that we ever shot, um, you know, mixed in there with a couple other ones. So it's just uh, it's funny just kind of seeing everything, how it's been put together now.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait to, to check it out.
1: Yeah. And when, you know, I, I, of course, love every place that we've gone to, both in season one and two. Uh, there's some places that I favor a little bit more. But, um, you know, Sylvania was was really beautiful Finland was a great experience, Um, you know, in season one Malta, Austria and Hong Kong, all really beautiful locations, St. Lucia. Um, I mean, I love traveling and I've dedicated the past 25 years to doing just that all over the world. And a lot of these places I had not been to before, even the Costa Rica location, I have always, I never really spent time in Tamarindo in the North. I've Mm -hmm. always gone to central Costa Rica, and the South, um, so it was a real treat, kind of seeing that whole zone and actually getting the surf, which was really fun. And um, yeah, yeah, every every show, every episode, you know, brought new experiences, new adventures.
0: I love it. That sounds like a dream job. It,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what we wanted to create. <laughs> that was the goal.
0: I wanted to t- touch on the past few weeks or last couple of months in the restaurant industry. It's, you know, no secret that it's been very challenging. We're in completely uncharted waters, I think across industries, but I think the hospitality and restaurant industry are feeling things particularly harder. Um, as someone on the front line of this industry, what have you been seeing both firsthand in your own restaurants and also among colleagues?
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's it has been a very trying time there. You know, it It was a big reality check when we found out that we need to close our doors, hand out the last group of paychecks and, you know, essentially just, tr- you know, restructure our place, how it's going to be sustainable uh, with just a takeaway delivery business. Not a lot of places will be sustainable with a model like that, let alone cutting down to 50 percent capacity um, for when some restrictions start getting dropped. Um, but you know, it's, it's, this has been a terrible thing, you know, seeing that 40 50 plus restaurants in the United States have the possibility of going out of business. A lot of them already have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people waiting on their PPM loans in order to kind of help ends meet. Um, that will be the, the, you know, if some will survive and some won't, and and, you know, I, I think within times like this certainly pops up a lot of opportunity for for a lot of other people with other spaces opening up or possibly just doing pop up ghost pop up restaurants and doing kind of um, just like a singular concept uh, that makes like a great burger or does corn in the cob or just something like that where they're able to operate with less overhead. Um, you need to adjust and adapt in times like this, you know, this isn't the first, this is the first time the restaurant business has been like this, but just about every night in the restaurant business, there's something crazy that you need to adjust to in order to accomplish excellence, to be able to accomplish giving the best experience you possibly can. And I, for one, how I was raised in this business, never give up and do whatever I possibly can to strive to achieve that for the guest. Um, But now we're, we're, you know, a lot of us are in the positions where you know, we're we're month. You know, we're we're going on months of having to run our businesses with, with the gloves and the delivery and the takeaway and the mask and and now adjusting to when things do lift. What is that going to mean for the restaurant business moving forward? Are we going to, uh, you know, is it gonna, you know, what's the distance gonna have to be like? Um, what are disposable menus? Uh, clearly moving into cashless transactions, um, how long people can be in a room for to limited menus. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that restaurants are going to have to, uh, you know, adjust to stay afloat. And it's, uh, you know, it's a tough for a lot of people to go through. You know, I think a lot of uh, positions, salaries, you know, a lot of that stuff's going to be dropped off. You know, people are going to have to trim some fat where the economy was great before, but now all of a sudden, you know, we have to do whatever we can to, to simplify the concept. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of decisions going on like that. But, but also with this said, the last time something like this, nothing like this ever happened, but 2007, you know, uh, was essentially when we went through our last recession. And that was also the, you know, the, the birth of like food trucks where mm-hmm. people couldn't have their restaurant or it costs too much money, but they want to open it up. And then what better th- way than to be able to put your foot on the gas and change your demographic and go to where the crowds are and not have so much overhead with the kitchen and rents and all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I'm a true believer in, in staying positive and seeing that this eventually this will turn around. Sure, it could take at least another year to two years Um, because there's a lot of waves that we're going to have to go through, whether it's in a whole other resurgence of the coronavirus in the fall and this all being shut down again, or, um, you know, just the inflation because of all these trillions of dollars that have been put into our economy. And now uh, the value of the dollar is going to be a little bit lower. So it's, you know, there's just, I can go on and on because I've just, you know, we've all lived this day after day. And I, you know, I have nothing but time to be trying to just adjust the business with um, my partner and, and, and see, you know, what's going to be the best thing for us. Um, We have multiple locations in Santa Monica and Venice that are all oceanfront. Um, So when you're carrying pretty hefty rents, it's, uh, you know, that's a tough thing to swallow when no one's going to the beach, nor are they allowed to go on the beach. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it affects every place a little bit differently, but I, you know, there's, there's not a day that goes by right now where I'm not dealing with someone else's business and giving recommendations as well as, uh, working within my own and also ways of growth and restructuring my, my, my own life.
0: Absolutely. And do you think, I mean, like you mentioned, we haven't seen anything like this at all. Do you think that it has, um, brought anything to light? Like maybe things that you didn't think about before within the restaurant business now are things you're considering or maybe planning for to keep around for the long term? Um, Well, as I
1: said, uh, things that I plan on keeping around, well, I I think it would be in someone's best uh, favor to keep some sort of delivery or takeaway business in place regardless of what your model is, in case you have to adjust to this again. Mm-hmm. I feel like there'll be a resurgence or um, um, more growth as into like food halls and and yeah. where where people can line up six feet apart or whatever it's going to be happening. But it won't allow people to, ha- you know, it'll be more grab and go. So I think the grab and go concepts so is probably going to be something that's going to stick around and move forward a little bit more. But you know, a lot of people are cooking at home, you know, and it, it's tough to think about what is going to happen after a lot of this stuff happens, you know, or are, are people going to feel safe going to restaurants? How quickly are they going to go back? Where are they at financially? Are they have they proven themselves now? They just like to eat at the house now. You know, it's like I've read all kinds of articles and, you know, talked to all kinds of friends, you know, with the thoughts of like, God, do they still need my restaurant kind of thing? And it's, you know, it's, it's sad, but, you know, I, I eventually we'll, we'll get back on track. You know, I think it's going to take a, it's going to take some time. It's going to take a year and a half or so, but eventually we'll, we'll move into a, a much better time. If back when the Spanish flu happened in 1917, it took a couple years, but after that, the Roaring Twenties happened. Yeah. So that's a great example um, that um, you got to make lemonade out of lemons.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And for anyone who is at home and, you know, not utilizing restaurants right now as much as they were before. I know I have been spending a ton of time in the kitchen. I'm sure you're spending time in the kitchen as well. What kind I'm a of... private
1: chef again. I'm cooking. For her. <laughs> I have three little girls and my wife, so I have a, I have a one and a half year old, I have a four year old, and a five year old, and it's just nonstop um, restrictions. I get my, I, I get my own Yelp reviews for my kids, so I feel like I'm, I'm running. I'm a private chef again.
0: Oh man, I love that. Do you have any <laughs> tips for us who are trying to, you know? cook a lot more often than we have been you know keeping things interesting. yeah yeah absolutely
1: I you know it's easy for a lot of things that go bad in your refrigerator even yeah. just being at the house um I just know how it goes I uh I can give you my past 24 hours right now it's like last night I roasted a whole chicken with uh turmeric and paprika it was like you know with some uh whole roasted potatoes or, or sweet potatoes and then i did uh i just did some cabbage with some corn but then today it's like i had half a chicken left over and i shredded it all and i made um some chicken enchiladas and then with the carcass i had boiled which is downstairs right now and i'm making a sweet potato soup and but i'll keep half that so i have chicken stock on the side for some future things but You know, it's important for you to shop your refrigerator before you actually go to the market to keep your um, trips to the market um, less than what you would normally go. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And there's a number of ways that you can stretch out food by, um, you know, like freezing your blueberries and your bananas, keeping it for banana bread or your smoothies, um, you know, freezing your fruit, um, keeping proteins, sucking up in your proteins, keeping them in your freezer. You want to eat healthy. So that's why I'm saying proteins and not like, um, frozen pizzas and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I've kept a good amount of different types of flour in the house cause I've been baking different types of bread. And I know there's not a lot of people out there that'll bake their own bread and, or take, take that, you know, or know how to do that or do it. But, um, just, you know, I think soups, um, you can cook in bulk and freeze stuff that certainly helps you out if you're making some stews or chilies or soups. Uh, there's a couple, you know, you can just freeze them in some liter containers and, uh, you know, there's so many different meals you can get off of one dish. Um, it can turn into a few different ones. So that's, that's kind of what I was saying. And it's a whole different diagram when you're cooking for kids, of course, because, um, there's a lot of waste, you know, uh, my chihuahua has been eating amazing by the way. I don't think he's ever <laughs> eaten so good. And, um, you know, I, you know, if there's any loose vegetables, like ends of carrots and the outer skins of, of, uh, onions, <clears throat> I keep all that stuff in a little container. So every week I'm making like a vegetable stock that I'll ev- either have is just stock that I drink. Cause I, I do intermediate fasting sometimes where I have bone broth, like both beef and, and chicken. Um, but there's just so many ways to eliminate waste. I've just been kind of groomed at that being a chef and working in the business and, cramming numbers and food costs and making sure to eliminate any waste. So I'm, I'm very like OCD with a lot of that, uh, to start, but I think that's, I think that's a, some good advice. Um, Absolutely, be a little bit more conscious with what they're, um, throwing away and what they can, uh, yield, um, from, from what they would normally, normally trash.
0: Absolutely. That's great advice. And I have started, wasn't doing it previous to this, but have started freezing so much more than I, was doing before and it helps just even the fruit just throw them in smoothies it has been at least especially bananas they go bad so quickly
1: yeah just you got to make sure you take those out of the skin like when it goes brown and just yeah. put them in a the bag out of the skin in your freezer that way they won't oxidize more and they will um you know they'll stay pretty much where you need them in your freezer for a smoothie or as i said we just made banana bread the other day wow. i got like so many bananas, and we made a bunch of banana bread and dropped put them in mailboxes of our friends' houses, actually, just to, you know, just we it's I need to take a drive. I need to leave the house. We're all going crazy <laughs> with three kids.
0: So I wanted to ask, most people that listen to this podcast are are either food entrepreneurs. So they either have a restaurant or a food product. And there's also a lot of food content creators that listen to this show. So maybe they have a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast. So you have a ton of experience in both of these arenas. Can you give us some inspiration? Um, what's something that you wish you would have known when you were starting out?
1: You know, it's taken me a while with the engagement I've had in social media, although I've stayed pretty active with it over the past eight years. But, um, you know, maybe would have put a little bit more into that to have grown that a little bit more. But, you know, you're you know, that that's one of our main outlets right now, you know, is social media. So I think, uh, you know, if you do have a restaurant out there, you need to keep that alive and keep that as active as you possibly can to stay in touch with your guests and keep your brand, um, you know, out there for people to see, um, getting, you know, into the business initially, um, you know, I was young and I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, so I was always focused on just how am I going to pay my bills and this and that, um, the money will follow, you know, you just got to make sure that you're passionate and that you are, you're doing everything right, and and the money will follow eventually. With, within this business, um, I I always kind of structured myself to understand every position in the business, because I you know I really wanted to own restaurants and be a restaurateur um, in later years. So mm-hmm. by me taking a step out of the kitchen, and understanding cocktails and front of the house, and and um, you know all the um, all the business stuff uh, behind the scenes was something that I, I, I did in my own time, um, whether I was in that position or not. And it was just keep getting me more well-rounded with the business and all the things that I need to know. So now, you know, walking into a restaurant, I, I immediately, you know, my eyes are already on the numbers the day before, um, but I, I don't have any regrets. I just, I just think you gotta really under- pick apart your craft and, and understand every different aspect of the business and find what you do great and and follow that and and start from the bottom up and understand every part of that, um, that business, because otherwise there's no shortcuts. And, and, you know, it's, you know, you don't want to fake it till you make it, you know, kind of thing. You have to um, you have to put your heart into it because people are going to be able to see that and feel it. Um, so, so, you know, just make sure you're, you're putting your all in, into your, um, in your craft first before you start trying to uh, grow this business any other way. And, and it's important to work for some great people. I, I've, I've, uh, I've worked for a lot of people that I admire. You know, I've, I've certainly had my own bumps in the road, but mistakes only turn into new recipes in life. So it's important to make mistakes. Um, I'm not saying don't make them because um, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons in the past on other people's dime. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a crazy business. I've been in this business almost 28 years and, um, from working as a dishwasher to a bus boy. Um, I mean, there's nothing that I haven't done, um, really. And I'm really grateful that I took that path because I can, you know, that it gives me that much more clout and understanding, um, to what's going on in the business when, when I walk in. And you have to be a leader that um, your team respects, you know, working on your leadership early on. And that's definitely something I worked on very early on because I had a lot of people I looked up to and and just take notes because it's all going to come into play um, one day before you know it. And you just want to be able to make sure that you have that respect from your team and you understand how to guide your business because people are going to be looking up to you to make decisions and you want to be able to make the right ones.
0: And now you're helping others do the same with, um, you know, restaurants on the edge and with, with your work. Yeah. Um, you know,
1: everyone's got their own story depending on what, what country that we're, we're going into. But, you know, we always want to find out, you know, what, what are they struggling with? Um, because that's, that's immediately going to give us, um, you know, be able to give us the things that we can tackle and, and make better in their business. A lot of the stuff is the person, um, you know, a lot of things can be changed in one day, some can't, but I, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you hear about their, their path in life and kind of what brings them to that, that moment of why they're working so hard to make that business work. And I think that brings the viewers along to kind of fight that much harder and want that person to succeed because you, you kind of put yourself in their own shoes and and as the restaurateur on the show, you know, I've you know, I have a difficult job in pointing out their negative reviews and and a lot of the things that they need to work on, because, I mean, I, that's just that's just life. And and, you know, it's it's not something that everybody wants to bring up. But, you know, we, we position them in, in the, you know, seeing the obvious as opposed to, you know, ignoring what they don't want to see. And then. And then going out into the community and talking to the people and the, you know, the socialites, the people that are, are have voices in their community. And and then we find out how they're going to help us in getting us a little bit more familiar with the surroundings and what's really going to be nice to incorporate that's going to tell a story um, to put into their business. And then, you know, because as a traveler, you know, you, you go to different places to explore their culture. And, and for those things to kind of be elevated. I'm not going to go to Slovenia to eat Mexican food. And I'm right. not going to go to Austria to eat Australian food. You know, it's like... And sometimes people want to do it. There's plenty of times I want to cook what I want to cook. But that doesn't mean the guest wants that. So mm-hmm. you, you've you got to look at it a few different ways, even if it goes against your own will. And um, the, the numbers are everything. You know, if it's not making pennies. It's not making sense. It's not going to make sense in business.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, I, I've changed my gears in my position and my thoughts years ago, um, as to how I, I, move forward with business and how I react to it. Um, you know, it was going much more into the business side of things certainly changed me and my ways, um, and how I attack certain, um, uh, situations, but it's it's been it's been a really we've had a lot of success with the show and and working with people and and helping them do that.
0: Well, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me about the show and about you and, and your journey. Before we wrap up, I always do some sort of fun off topic closing questions with my guests. Are you up for that? Yeah, of course. OK, so number one, what is the last movie or TV show that you watched?
1: The last movie or TV show that I watched, I watched Planet Earth with my kids, the the ocean one,
0: cool. but
1: I've been watching Ozark. I was watching it with my wife, but she, like, went five episodes ahead of me, so we're no longer watching it together. But yeah, Ozark, I'd have to say, which was great.
0: Yeah, I just finished it. My husband and I finished it, I think, three or four nights ago, and um, I'm excited for them to put out more episodes. I thought it was really great. Yeah absolutely cool okay number two if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life what would they be like different
1: types of cuisines or like a particular dish
0: you could go with different types of cuisine
1: okay cool all right um i would have to say japanese italian and mexican
0: awesome yeah Number three, where is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to?
1: Ian, it's funny you ask that. Well, I, you know, I'm Italian. and I've been traveling to Italy for years. I'd say for the better part of 20 plus years. But right between shooting in Malta and flying to Austria, I had 10 days free um, between shooting the two episodes. And I went to Sicily and it completely grabbed my heart. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever traveled to. And I I, it really, it was just, I was just in awe by the fashion and the food and the, you know, the the, the whole coastline and the, you know, the culture there. I mean, I definitely felt like I got reconnected with my, my own background, my own history. And because I got to go back to places where my family was from. But I think even beyond that, I was just blown away with just how it was just you know just just the way the food was it was just simplicity at its best but just you're only as good as your ingredients so that's why everything i had was just that much more amazing and the colors it was just very inspirational trip for me i got lots of ideas i would love to do a sicilian restaurant that was actually on my hit list of things to do coming out of the summer and, built, you know, I, I I gathered a lot of ideas and pictures that would kind of create some sort of a mood board. But, yeah, Sicily is, was that for me for sure.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. And it was your first time there? It's
1: so my first time in Sicily. Yeah, I've been all over mainland Italy, but that was my first tra- trip to Sicily.
0: Sounds amazing.
1: Um, yeah,
0: that's it. Okay. And the last question, what is one thing most people would never guess about you?
1: Interesting. Um, let's see here. I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I hate to do dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do dishes. I hate to do laundry. And, um, let's see here. Um, you know, so, a, I, I'm pretty open. I mean, I post a lot of pictures of my family sometimes that, People are like, I can't believe you have three girls. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's one. Um, I'm a surfer, but I think that's kind of out there. I've been surfing, skateboarding, and snowboarding since the 80s. Ooh. So I, I travel the world in, in search of great snow, waves, and, you know, all good things like that. So, you know, anything that I think builds inspiration and passion in someone's life, you gotta, You need that in order to fuel the other things that you're moving forward with in your career it's, it's important to kind of have that happy balance, uh, I think with people. So no matter what you're doing in your life, you have to find those things, whether, you know, it could be riding a horse or running or climbing trees and, you know, but there's no more important time than right now to make sure that you get out there and do that if you're allowed, because that you're not allowed to surf right now, but um, just keep your mind, keep your mind rolling and stay happy and stay positive. Um, this is, you got to keep your chin up in a time like this because, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we've got a long road ahead of us and, and, but we'll, we'll get back. We'll get back on track sooner or later.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go online?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on at chef Nikki, uh, C H E F N I C K Y on Instagram. On Twitter, at Caladelphia, our Facebook, uh, Chef Nick Liberato. I'm, all, I'm constantly posting my travels, um, kind of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with the show, as well as just the life of a chef, restaurant tour. So,
0: yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it.